0: Keep that in prayer if you will. I'm going to try to get in touch with him this week and uh, see if, what our next steps are. But uh, just, uh, if you will, keep that as a matter of prayer and uh, pray the Lord will give us the strength as we preach uh, and be able to do uh, what he would want us to do in the services here. Let's take our Bibles this morning, if you will. Turn to the book of Third John. <coughs> Third John. And uh, just before jude and revelation uh so uh, if you don't know where that's at you can go to the back of the bible and just flip back a couple of pages and uh, you'll be there third john and if you find a chapter two in your bible you've got a wrong bible because there's only one chapter in third john so we're going to be in third john chapter one and uh bible etiquette teaches us that if there's only one chapter we don't name the chapter we just call the book out but uh Third John, and uh, fourteen verses. And we're going to read the entirety of it, and uh, it's been a long time since we've read an entire book of the Bible in church. So we're going to go ahead and do that this morning. The elder, and I want to stop here for just a moment. There are times that pastors uh, in the Bible are referred to as elders uh, in Scripture, and that is not the context of this one. This is speaking more primarily of John's uh, physical age, uh, the elder. And so it refers to him as as him getting up in years. And he says, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee even as thou walkest in the truth i have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth beloved thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers which have borne witness of thy charity before the church whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort thou shalt do well because that for his namesake they went forth taking nothing of the gentiles we, therefore, ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, pratting against us with malicious words, and not content, wherewith, therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church." Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius hath good uh, hath good report of all men, and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee, but I trust I shall see thee shortly, uh, shortly see thee. And we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. Father, we pray once again for the next few moments that you'll help us to lay aside any distractions and burdens that perhaps we came into the building with this morning. And Lord, we all understand and know how the cares of this life can so overwhelm our thoughts and our emotions that it distracts our hearts from what your Holy Spirit longs to do. And so for the next little bit, I pray that you would help us to lay those things aside and help us to focus completely and wholly upon the truth of your word. Speak to our hearts, and Lord, encourage us, teach us by your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We've been doing a series on Wednesday nights that we started two weeks ago on the the topic, How Do You Measure Up? And we are taking subjects of the Scripture, subjects of Scripture, and we are finding out what is God's measurement of us prospering in those areas, being successful, growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We began with the subject of faith, and um, then uh, uh, last week we dealt with the issue of uh, our Bible reading and How are we growing? How are we measuring up to what the Bible says the results of our Bible reading should be in our lives? Um, And we've spent some time on that. And John is writing here to a friend of his, a fellow laborer of his, by the name of Gaius. And he refers to Gaius as one that he loves in the truth. And I want you to notice as we get to verse number 2, his request is this. He says, beloved, speaking of Gaius, I wish above all things. Now that's a strong statement. John is saying this is, this is one of my highest desires of my life. He says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul knows this, prospereth. And there are a lot of Word of Faith and New Apostolic Reformation people out there that will take this verse. And they'll preach about the fact that God intends for everybody to be uh, prosperous materially and healthy uh, physically. But I want you to notice, and we're going to look at four things specifically today, that John is going to refer to here regarding the prospering of Gaius. As he gets down to uh, verse number 2, notice as he ends this, he speaks not only that thou mayest prosper and be in health. He says this, even as thy soul prospereth. Uh, it's interesting to me in the day that we live, uh, the, the, the general consensus that seems to be taught in our churches is that once you get saved, then God doesn't really care how you live. Uh, you can go out here, you can still live the way you used to live and God doesn't care. Yes, God does care. God, God desires and His heart's desire is for us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. For us to prosper in the truth of His Word for us to walk in the Spirit, for us to commune with Him day by day. And we understand and we know from Scripture that when we live in the flesh and we follow after the things of the flesh and the things that we did before our salvation, that those are things that drive a wedge in our fellowship with the Lord. They're things that cause, cause us to have the fellowship of the Lord uh, even, even suspended for a period of time. And while we are still saved, and there's no doubt about it, we miss out on some of the richest blessings this side of heaven, of walking with our Savior, spending time with Him and growing and being a testimony for Him. But there are four things I want us to look at this morning from 3 John (coughs) that John is asking uh, for Gaius to be able to prosper in with reference to him prospering (coughs) in his soul. And I want us to notice as we get to verse number 3, he says, For I rejoice, what's the next word here? Greatly. Greatly. Can I tell you this, that when we begin to follow these truths that John is getting ready to share, it brings great rejoicing to not only the hearts of God, but also the hearts of those that are close to the Lord, that walk with the Lord, those that are our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. It brings great joy to us. And he talks about the fact that he rejoices greatly, and look at what he rejoices over. He says, when the brethren came and testified of the truth, that is in thee, and he says, I'm rejoicing in that uh, because you know the truth. The truth of God's Word is in you. Uh, I think it ought to be the heart's desire, and it ought to be the great hunger and thirst of the soul of a Christian to know the truth of God's Word, to feast upon it, to to read it, to to rejoice in it, to, 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 to make that... More important to us, as Job said, than his own daily bread, his own his own fleshly need of of meat and drink, to have that kind of a hunger and thirst for the truth of God's word, and so he rejoices greatly in this. But I want you to notice what else he says here. He says, uh, "When they testify the truth that is in thee, even as thou notice this, walkest in the truth." Can I tell you, there is a distinction that John makes here between the truth being in us and us walking in that truth. There are a lot of people that name the name of Christ and say, if you were to ask them, they would say, yes, I'm a Christian. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. I'm thankful for the day I got saved. I'm thankful for what God did for me. And I love the fact that we have His Word in our hands that we can read and know the truth that He has for us. But it is not enough for you and I to simply have a working knowledge of the truth of the Word of God. But we must then learn to walk in that truth. Uh, The Bible says in Psalm 119, in verse number 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? In other words, his life is going to be different now. And the, 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 the answer to it is given in that same verse. It says, by taking heed thereto. According to thy word. It doesn't say to read it. It doesn't say to know it. It just says by taking heed to it. There's a lot of people who read the Bible. They know the Bible. That I've met people out here that could quote scriptures. I've met ungodly people. People that live like the world. That could quote more scripture probably than even I could quote. And yet they live like the world. That's not taking heed to the truth of God's word. They have a knowledge of it. In fact, the Bible refers to it this way. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And John says, I rejoice greatly when I hear the testimony of these others that say that the truth is in you. But notice what he says here. He says, even as thou walkest in truth. In verse number 4, he says, I have no what? No greater joy. The highest joy I have. We're not talking about just, just great joy. We're talking about joy... That is the highest joy that I have. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children, what? Walk in truth. John's desire for Gaius, what he's praying for, what he's asking the Lord to allow Gaius to prosper in, number one is that he will continue to walk in the truth. As his testimony is. I wonder... if folks were to to characterize our lives, if someone were to look at my life and describe it, if someone were to look at your life and describe it, I wonder if the phrase, they walk in truth, would be part of that description. I wonder if it would be part of what characterizes your life. John said, I have no greater joy. No greater joy. Obviously, Gaius was one that John had had the wonderful privilege of perhaps leading to the Lord Himself because he refers to Him as His child. He says, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. Can I tell you this? We need to be praying that God would help us to prosper in the area of walking in truth. I'm thankful I'm saved today. And by the way, if you're here today... And you have never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did on Calvary. May I urge you to make today the day. We went out the other week, just or the last was last week, with uh, the the Newtons and got to talk to uh, their their grandson about uh, this this thing uh, of salvation. He had come forward in church a couple weeks ago, said I want to get saved, and went to uh, Steak and Shake the other day and um, began to talk with him about it. Began to share with Him that salvation is not a work. It's not an action that you do. It's a decision of the heart and putting your faith and your trust. When Jesus said, I will will forgive your sin and I will give you a home in heaven by simply putting your faith and believing on me, then we put our faith in Him to be saying what He means and, and that we trust what He said. That He will do what He said He would do. And He'll forgive us of our sin. He'll give us a home in heaven for all of eternity. And when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, what He did on the Calvary, His death, His burial, His resurrection, we trust that as our payment for our sin. The Bible says that He saves us. He imputes His righteousness upon us. And in the eyes of God, we become as if we've never sinned before. We become perfect in His sight. We need to walk like that. We need to strive for holiness in our lives. And I know that on this side of heaven, the old flesh nature will always be a temptation, always cause us to stumble. But I will say this, it ought to be the desire of every Christian's heart to be as holy and as pure and as righteous as they possibly can. Because we have the Spirit of the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us that brings conviction to us when our sin is there. Causes us to have a desire for the things of the Lord. And John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. May it be the desire of our hearts, first and foremost, not only to know the Scriptures, but to walk in them, to take heed to them. You say, well, I've heard people say this so many times. I know the Bible says this. But, and then we give some kind of justification why we're not going to do what the Bible says. John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I pray that you'll prosper in these things. He longed for Gaius to continue to prosper in his soul in these areas. When it comes to my testimony, when it comes to your testimony, what is it characterized as? Could it be said of you or could it be said of me? They walk in truth. I have no greater joy in that person because they walk in truth. Notice what else he says here in verse number 5. He says, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to the strangers which have borne witness of thy charity before the church who... If thou bring t- forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Apparently, Gaius was known for helping those that were fellow laborers, those that were uh, laboring in the gospel, those that were going around sharing the gospel with other people who were not able to, to make a living on their own. Apparently, Gaius was able to to help them forward on their journey, is what John refers to him as. That he helped to provide that which is necessary for their their, their life and their living necessities so that they could be free and unencumbered to do the work that God had called them to do. And John says this, he says that that work that you're doing, the work of bringing them forward along their journey, those that are trying to share the gospel, those that are of a godly sort, he said not only are you doing well, but he says, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren. He said, my first desire is that you continue to walk in truth. Secondly, my second desire for you, Gaius, is that you do the work that God's given you to do faithfully. Do it faithfully. I I, I know that there's all of us that can say in our Christian lives that there have been highs and there have been lows. There have been mountaintops and there have been valleys. But the truth is, God desires for you and I to live a life, we speak of revival coming, and I don't like to say this term. I, I was reading a book by a brother uh, uh, brother Paulie the other a, a few about a year or so ago. In fact, I bought a bunch of them and gave them out here in the church. And he made a comment about this thing of revival. He said we need to quit praying for revival and begin praying that God will help us to live a revived life. That our life live at a level of revival. that, that God will help us to stay stirred in our hearts. And that the work God has given us to do, that we do it faithfully. That we, not, that we not get to the place where we're faithful these months out of the year, but then these months we're not faithful. We're not faithful when things are good. We're faithful even when things aren't so good. We're not just faithful on the good days. We're faithful on the bad days. And John said that his desire was that Gaius, in the things that he was doing, that he would do them faithfully. He said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Secondly, he said, I I have no greater joy than charging you and asking you to do that which you're doing faithfully. Then I want you to notice, as we get down to the end of verse number 6, he said, Whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. That's a good thing to do. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles... We, therefore, ought to receive such that we might be, notice this, fellow helpers. Fellow helpers. John's desire was for Gaius to be a fellow helper in ministry. We don't find here that Gaius was going around preaching the gospel to large congregations or large multitudes. We don't find him even being an elder in a church. What we do find is he's helping those that are doing the work of the Lord. And John calls him a fellow helper. You know, the Bible tells us that every single one of us has a work that God has for us. In Hebrews chapter 12, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about, with so great a cloud of witnesses. Speaking of those mentioned in chapter 11 in the great hall of faith. He said, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is what? Set before us. Every single one of us has a race that God sets it before us. We have a race to run. And it would do us well if you and I could run that race faithfully. I used to... Uh, do large youth conferences down in Florida. And we had uh, a bunch of teenagers there. And oftentimes, there'd be a lot of decisions made at the altar. In the last several years of doing those, I tried to encourage the young people. Making that decision is the easy part. Getting up and living that decision is the hard part. I said, if nobody else in your youth group will follow you, will do, do what you need to do to be obedient to the Lord. If nobody else will stand with you in that decision, then stand alone. And I, I certainly believe that we need a, a revival in this nation of people who are willing to stand alone if no one else will stand. But that being said, isn't it wonderful and isn't it sweet and isn't it so much easier on the journey when there is someone to stand along with you? Every single one of us has a path. Every one of us has a race to run. Every one of us has a work that God has given us to do. May we learn to be fellow helpers with that. May we learn to look at our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ, who are doing a work for the Lord, and see what their need is, and try to encourage them or help meet that need. Sometimes it's just something as simple as As a kind note, I'm praying for you. Remain faithful. Be steadfast. Maybe it's just coming alongside when you see them struggling. You see that their spirit is discouraged. And saying, how can I help you? Can we pray together? Is there some need I can meet for you? John teaches Gaius or charges Gaius to continue to be faithful to the things that he was doing. And he speaks to the fact that helping those that were serving the Lord was a good thing. And he says that you might receive such that you might be fellow helpers. Notice this. To the truth. You ever understood this, that when we help a brother or sister, In their work for the Lord. That we're not just helping a person. But we're helping the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ be propagated. There are a lot of people I have knocked on their doors. There are a number of people that have come and sat in my office and talked with me. And I could rehearse the conversation a hundred times over. Well, I used to. then they would go on to tell how they used to serve the Lord. I used to teach a Sunday school class, or I used to be involved in the church, or I used to drive a bus for the bus routes, or they would go on and on and on. Well, what are you doing now? Well, I don't go to church now. Somewhere along the line, someone got discouraged in the work. And I wonder how much of the hindrance of the gospel being propagated how much damage there was to the cause of Christ when that person dropped out of doing the work that God had called him to do, running the race that God had put before him. And I've often thought this thought, would someone coming alongside that person and encouraging them, helping them, edifying them, trying to lift their load, would that have salvaged them? Would that have kept them in the work? 1,400 pastors resigned out of the ministry last year. 1,400. Most of them will never get another church. I, I understand, and I've done the, the, the studies, and I've researched the statistics. And I understand that there's a percentage of those that have done things in their life, immoral things perhaps, things that are of a nature that would disqualify them from being a pastor of a church. But yet there are so many of them that just got tired of the fight. They got burned out. They got weary in the race. And I often wonder, if just someone with a kind word, just letting them know, I'm praying for you. Is there something I can do to be a help to you? If that would not have salvaged them. I was talking with the preacher about that subject a few months back and he said, yeah, but then there's those that they've, they've, they've messed up in ministry. They've done things. I said, yeah, but even out of those, I wonder how many of them got to that moment of weakness because of the fact they were worn out. They were discouraged. And even then had someone come along and tried to encourage and be a help to them, a fellow helper in ministry. I wonder if it might have salvaged them from that sin, from that thing that had caused them to be disqualified from ministry. 1,400. Doors of churches are closing faster than churches are being opened and propagated, and the ones that are being opened are not doctrinally sound. John puts an importance here. Gaius may have been one of those people who thought, well, I'm not doing much. I'm just, I'm just helping some of the, the folks that are sharing the gospel along the way. Can I tell you, that's a great thing to do. To edify the brethren, to encourage and help one another. To build each other up in the faith, to encourage one another. And if a brother is overtaken in a fault, to help restore them and bring them back and help them to become part of what God has for them to do. Paul speaks of this. And he refers to the fact that those that do this, those that will receive such, he says that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. And then I want you to notice lastly, we're going to read verses 9-11 to here. He says, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. By the way, you can rest assured that pride is always going to be the root of our sin. There's not a sin that we commit that does not have its root in our pride. Diotrephes, who's having, wanting to have the preeminence, notice he says in verse 9, he says, "...receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deed." which he doeth pratting against us with malicious words and not content uh, and not contend therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren. Not only did he himself not receive the brethren, but notice this, it says, And forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. It's bad enough not to be doing the work God's given you to do, but when you cause others not to do the work that God has given them to do, we are even the more guilty. He says, Beloved, verse number 11, Follow not that which is what? Evil. Evil, But that which is good. Four things that John charges Gaius with. He rejoiced in the fact that he walked in the truth and he was praying that he would continue to prosper in that. That he was going to do faithful the work that God had given him to do. That he would be a fellow helper to the truth. And lastly, that he would not follow that which is evil, but follow that which is good. I was listening to a fellow a number of years ago. He was teaching on the issue of holiness in a Christian's life. He said he began to find principles of Scripture that would help him to live his life according to the Bible. And he would find uh, passages that would, would uh, convict his heart about some area. And he would make that a principle that he lived by. And he said the best way to make it in an application form was to form it into the form of a question. And he used some passages of Scripture. And uh, I remember one of them that he used is Paul said to the Corinthian church, he said, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. And he read that verse and a principle came to mind. Just because it's lawful doesn't mean I should do it. There are things that for testimony's sake, for being above reproach for the cause of Christ and not bringing a reproach to His name, That even though it may not be sinful, it may not be something that draws men to the Lord. And so it's not expedient. And so he said, I began to ask myself the question as I lived throughout my day and I had things going on in my life. Is what I'm about to do an expedient thing? Is this something that's going to draw people to the Lord? Is this something that's going to be a testimony for Him? And can I encourage you in this that when we find these principles that John... (coughs) gives to Gaius. And we come to the fourth one. Follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. Can I charge us to make that an application in our life by way of a question? That when we get to the place where we're choosing the things that we're doing in our day to day life, that we stop for a moment and ask ourselves, Is this good or is this evil? Is this going to help me be a fellow helper of the truth? Or is this going to drive people away from the truth? Is this going to give me a testimony of being faithful in the work that God's given me to do? Or am I, am I shunning my responsibility? Maybe we'll ask the question, am I walking in the truth or do I just simply know it? oftentimes we know the messages that are preached from this pulpit we know the truth of them very rarely is there any new truth that you don't that you've not heard if you've been in church very much at all we just need to be encouraged in it motivated in it reproved in it exhorted in it reminded of it and then most of all we need to apply it to our lives it's amazing how often We come to church. We sit here for 30-40 minutes for a message. We're stirred even sometimes maybe and our minds are engaged. And then we walk out of the building and an hour later, two hours later, a day later, we can't even remember what the message was. James spoke of that. He said that there are people that are beholding their faith. They're like somebody that... Uh, hear the Word and not do the Word is like a man who beholds his natural face in a glass. And he sees what manner of man he is. And every time we come to Scripture, it does show us that, doesn't it? James says, a man that will hear and not do, he's the man that sees his natural face in a glass and then straightway goes and forgets what manner of man he is. May we strive to have these qualities in our life. Not just know the truth but walk in truth. To make sure that we are faithful to do the work that God has called us to do. Steadfast in it. To strive to be a fellow helper in the truth. And to not follow that which is evil, but to follow that which is good. Can I charge us today that we seek to apply these four truths to our lives each and every day. To help us walk in a manner that becomes the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Something that causes men to see it. To desire it. To say, I want what that person has. I want the same God they have to do the same transforming work in my life that He's done in theirs. When a Christian lives like the world, follows after the things of the flesh, what they're telling the world is that our God is not able to do a transforming work in our lives. And the truth is, He is. If we'll just let Him. Let's stand together, shall we? With heads bowed. Father, we pray that You'll bless the teaching of Your Word this morning. And Lord, some vital truths, things that we need to not just know, but we need to apply to our lives. And Lord, I don't know that there's any one of those four that most all of us here today are not aware of. We certainly know the truth. I guess today the question is, are we walking in it? Are we being faithful Are we helping the truth and being fellow helpers of the truth? And are we not walking after that which is evil, but that which is good? Lord, if any of those are not present in our lives, if any of them are lacking, may You help us today to recommit ourselves, to rededicate ourselves, and reconsecrate ourselves, to give every effort to do that which Your truth has given us today and taught us today, that we would walk in it. That we would give heed to it. May You be glorified in the preaching of Your Word and do the work that You so long to do in our hearts. And may we be yielded from our will to do the will of the Holy Spirit. May we be sensitive to what He has for us in this message today. That we would not only learn it, but we would apply it to our lives. Bless the invitation and speak to hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With heads bowed, please, and eyes closed. Miss Evelyn will play. No, nope, we're not going to be able to do an invitation.